Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Beloved listeners of Radio Islam International, welcome back to Hayatun Tayyiba with myself, Mu'alima Shakira Hanta. Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. This Friday afternoon, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us another fursa, another opportunity to inshallah perform good deeds, to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and above all to send salawat on our beloved Nabi Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma salli wa sallim alayhi da'iman wa abada. Today is a fascinating and an enjoyable day for us subhanallah today is the day which we commonly known it to be the day of al-aqsa you know aqsa day and throughout the world people celebrate this day subhanallah and when we look at the quran allah says subhanalladhi asra bi'abdih laylan min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa alladhi barakna hawla allah says that glory be to that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who took his nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the holy lands of makkah al-mukarrama right to the holy lands which are blessed and that is masjid al-aqsa so we as muslims understand and we know and subhanallah everybody's you know wearing little pieces of palace and trying to show this love that we have inside of us. And this is the most fascinating and most beautiful thing when it comes to the Sha'air of Islam. And this is why we do this. is because this is the Sha'air of Islam, meaning it is a salient feature of Islam. Masjid al-Aqsa, when we see that picture, subhanAllah, it, you know, it invokes this feeling of love. It invokes this feeling of excitement, this feeling of belonging, subhanAllah, just as Masjid al-Haram does, just as Masjid al-Nabawi does, just as our Quran does. This, this makes us feel part of al-Ummah islam the nation of Islam, subhanAllah, the nation and the Ummah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we love these sha'air and we respect it and we venerate it. And when we, we and this is not in one particular day, on every single day, but today, subhanAllah, let us take some time to just speak about this beautiful, beautiful Balad, you know, this land and this masjid and the blessedness that is around them. May Allah take every one of us to visit it, subhanAllah. So we know that Masjid Al-Aqsa is one of the most significant sites of Islam on the face of this earth. And subhanAllah, just... Just, you know, on its own merits, we understand the virtue. So many scholars have dedicated their lives just trying to explain to us the virtues of this place, subhanAllah. The ability to go there and take away the, and take from that barakah. Now, you might have, you know, heard of people saying, we are going to the, for the three haram tour. We are going to Masjid Al-Aqsa. And you think, subhanAllah, I would never be able to do that. Let's make a niyyah. Let's make a niyyah. Ya Allah, take me there one day. Ya Allah, I want to go there. Ya Allah, I want to... Do everything I can, inshallah, to make that dua and make that effort to get there. And why? Why is it that I want to get there, subhanAllah? First and foremost, subhanAllah, you know, Masjid al-Aqsa was named as Masjid al-Aqsa because of the great distance it had from Masjid al-Haram, right? And before Masjid al-Haram, there was no, uh, you know, there was no Masjid before that, right? So we know that Masjid al-Aqsa is muqaddas. This word muqaddas meaning it is blessed, it is the blessed house. And Masjid al-Haram, Allah used to refer to it as Baytul Atiq. Baytul Atiq meaning the old house. So the Kaaba was always there, it was the old house. But Masjid al-Aqsa is known as the Baytul Muqaddas, the, the blessed house. Subhanallah. And then we know that Masjid al-Aqsa was the second masjid that Allah placed on this earth. 
right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so you must know the years and years and the history behind Masjid al-Aqsa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it that many, many, many of the prophets lived there. And to the extent that even mo- many of them are buried there as well, subhanAllah. Masjid al-Aqsa, and I'm, I'm reading this from a beautiful article, if you can, go to the Jamiat website. They have a beautiful article. I'm discussing this with you from there, that it was built by Adam alayhi salatu wasalam and he either it was built with Adam alayhi salatu wasalam or his sons or the angels and according to some narrations by Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam we also know that when when Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam when he was speaking to um when when he was leaving his father and when he was leaving home and he said that you know he's going now he's going to his rabbi sa'adhabu where is he going soon inni dhahibun ila rabbi sayahdin that i am going to my allah and soon he will guide me and subhanallah allah guided him way to to masjidul aqsa and then subhanallah we know that many 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 years later masjidul aqsa was renovated by dawood and sulaiman alayhi salatu wassalam and subhanallah, I think the most miraculous and the most important of all of this is that the prophets of Allah, alayhim salatu wassalam, from Adam alayhi salatu wassalam, and Idris alayhi salatu wassalam, and Sheikh alayhi salatu wassalam, and Musa alayhi salatu wassalam, and Harun alayhi salatu wassalam, Shu'ayb alayhi salatu wassalam, subhanallah. When you think about them, when you think about all of these prophets standing behind our Habib Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam in salah, Allahu Akbar, it gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? When you think of all of their lives that we've studied and the stories that we've learned about them and how much we know about them and subhanallah, here you get this, you know, sort of feedback and you get this exciting uh, you know, relation in history that tells you that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam stood there with all of them and subhanallah, subhanallah, they, that was the reality of the importance of this place that Allah chose it to be the place when all his prophets will gather, where all his prophets will gather. Now, when we look at Masjid al-Aqsa, you know, subhanAllah, in the early days of Islam, when there was the Qibla to Masjid al-Haram was not yet established. At that time, it was the first Qibla of the Masjid, of the, of the Muslims, of the Muslims. And subhanAllah, at that time, the Muslims were facing towards this Baytul Muqaddas. And when they were facing in that direction, it showed us, subhanAllah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is respecting that masjid. And that is why you and I, we have to bring this respect into our lives. For 16 months after Hijrah, that's not a short time. SubhanAllah, almost one and a half years, they were performing salah in the direction of Masjid al-Aqsa, subhanAllah. And then we know, subhanAllah, that Masjid al-Aqsa is the place where many of the Anbiya will stand up on the day of Qiyamah. And we also know that, subhanAllah, much of the da'wah that we read about, much of the stories that we read about, the qisas, the stories of the Sahaba, it all took place in that area, subhanAllah, right? And many of the prophets longed to be buried there. To the extent that Yusuf, wasalam, passed away in, in Misr, subhanAllah, in Egypt, yet his qabr is there, subhanAllah, right? And this is uh, documented in Ma'arif al-Quran. We also know, subhanAllah, that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, when we look at the Mi'raj and the Isra, the Isra and the Mi'raj, the division is that Allah took him directly first and foremost to Masjid al-Aqsa, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took him to the, the, the seven heavens, subhanAllah. So we see from every direction, this place is muqaddas, 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 muqaddas. It is blessed. It is the blessed house. And subhanAllah, Masjid al-Aqsa, 
is tied to Islam in two ways. One is that our mi'raj, where we were given our salah, is tied to that night, and our qibla is tied to that night. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has told us also that, you know, he would literally tell people to go and perform salah in Masjid al-Aqsa, to go there, to make that time, subhanAllah. A single salah is multiplied in reward. And we know, subhanAllah, that in the, the, the ranks of Islam, it is the third masjid that we should make the effort to get to and to travel to, subhanAllah, right? And there is some hadith that explain to us that if a person travels to Masjid Al-Aqsa, there is the barakah and there is that hope, inshallah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove our sins, our minor sins, obviously, and we will take away some of that barakah. And we know that Umar ibn Khattab, and this is something fascinating, is that Umar ibn Khattab, 15 years after the hijrah, right? 15 years after the hijrah, Umar ibn Khattab, what did he do, subhanAllah, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he was the one who opened up and who removed the, sorry, who, who, who once again opened Masjid al-Aqsa as the Muslims as a masjid, subhanAllah. So when you now look at these, you know, these words and these, you know, this, these virtues that we are learning, we are understanding, subhanAllah, that the time and the effort that we have to put in there is, it, is something quite important and intrinsically tied to our deen. Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu narrates, he says, I asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, tell us about the legal injunction, meaning is it compulsory or is it farad, is it sunnah, what is it about visiting Baytul Muqaddis in, or Bayt, in, in Jerusalem? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, go and pray there. If you cannot visit it and pray there, then send oil, send some oil to be used in the lamps. Allahu Akbar, Sahih al-Bukhari. Hadith is so, so authentic that you should make an effort to go and perform salade. If you cannot do this, then you should send some oil to or to burn the lamps that are there, subhanAllah. So we know that, that this is, you know, the place of Mi'raj. We know that, subhanAllah, there's so many different fadail, but our salah is multiplied. When we, when we perform salah there. And according to some narrations, subhanAllah, the prayer of a person in your own house is a single salah. We know that, right? But any masjid is 25 times. If you go to a Friday prayer, it's 500 times. And if you perform salah in Masjid al-Aqsa, you have the reward of 5,000 prayers, 5,000 salah. This is, you know, subhanAllah, in, we know in Masjid al-Nabawi, it's 50,000. In the Kaaba, it's 100,000. In Masjid al-Aqsa, 5,000 salah. Two rak'ats becomes like, and this is narrated by Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, subhanAllah. So, when we see this hadith, that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the one hadith, it says 5,000 times. In another hadith, it says 500 times more, subhanAllah. So, we, we, we can understand the qima, the value of this in our lives. And we make dua that Allah you know, encourages all of us when we are thinking about holidaying and we're thinking about traveling. Let's think about attaching the sha'air of Allah to our travel, subhanAllah. Abdullah bin Amr radiallahu anhu tells us also that when Nabi Sulaiman bin Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, when he completed building Masjid al-Aqsa, he asked Allah for three things. One, he asked Allah, said, judgment that was in harmony with his judgment, meaning he would be able to judge the people. A dominion that no one would after him would have. He would have a kingdom that nobody could have. And Allah gave him this. And no one should come to this Masjid Al-Aqsa except with the sincere intention to make salah in it 
and he would emerge free of sin as the day his mother gave birth to him. This was the dua of Sulaiman bin Dawud and Allah gave that to him. So the hope is inshallah when we get there and we go and we perform our salah, Allah will inshallah forgive our our sins. Now, some of the anbiya who are, are resting and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them their, made their resting places, one is Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. And when the angel of death came to Musa, when he was sent to Musa alayhi salam, he asked Allah to bring him close to the land of Maqdis. He said, Ya Allah, I want to get the distance of a stone's throw, subhanAllah. This hadith is narrated in Sahih Bukhari also. So, you know, it's, um, it's massive when you look at these, you know, when you look at these hadith, these are not small hadith, these are massive hadith, subhanAllah. And uh, when conquering of the Baytul Muqaddis is also one of the signs of Qiyamah. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had even told the Sahaba this, that one day the conquest of Jerusalem will occur. And then it did happen exactly like that, subhanAllah, right? And um, we also know, subhanAllah, that Dajjal will not enter Masjid Al-Aqsa. He will enter every single place on earth except the Kaaba, Masjid Al-Nabawi, and Masjid Al-Aqsa, and, the, and Mount Sinai, and so we can see how blessed and how sacred are these places. Now, when we think about what is our responsibility, we get excited, we want to, you know, have our flags, we want to be excited about this day. But what is our responsibility, beloved listeners? Our responsibility, it is our individual responsibility and our collective responsibility to safeguard Masjid Al-Aqsa. We have to safeguard its sacred precincts and we have to also assist the people who are sacrificing their lives to protect this holy land, subhanAllah. This is our massive, massive responsibility. We are not limited to only doing this. We have to make regular dua. We have to always seek mercy of Allah and turn in repentance so that Allah protects those places, subhanAllah. We should think of the people of Masjid Al-Aqsa as our brothers, in which they are and our sisters. So Allah accepts the dua for a Muslim brother to another brother in when they are not, you know, in their presence. So we make dua, Ya Allah, every single person who is giving who has given their lives, who gives their lives to protect your masjid, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to raise their daraja, make them from the shuhada, protect their families, grant them khair in this dunya and the akhirah, Ya Allah. Allah, we cannot physically be there with them, but we ask you to protect them and to bless them and to make it easy upon them, subhanAllah. Then our responsibility is to create this awareness, you know, and education. If we don't do this, what happens is we, this, this, there are so many crises that are happening in the world that sometimes we think that, oh, Palestine is, is mentioned too often. But subhanAllah, this is our sha'ir, this is a part of our deen, this is a part of our identity. We have to ensure that we are at, we are you know, building this identity in the minds of people that we are constantly speaking about it, subhanAllah. We should look for charities that are supporting Palestine. Check if they are legitimate. This is very important. Don't just support any cause. Make sure that they are, you know, the money is going directly to Masjid Al-Aqsa. Assist in any ways. And that will may allow us to fall under that hadith where, you know, sending that oil for those lamps, meaning do something, subhanAllah, to assist the, those these courses and these, these, the, the, these organizations that are uh, assisting in the upliftment of Palestine. Also, we should, you know, vigorously 
engage the media in highlighting the struggle of Palestine, subhanAllah. Sometimes what happens is, you know, this the struggle gets lost and the, in, 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 in the focus of Masjid Aqsa, we, we tend to get, you know, tired, we get numb. I've heard so many people have passed away, so many attacks, it's happening for so many years. How do we get to a point? I remember when we were in, you know, in, in Madrasa in, in, in subhanAllah donkeys years ago, so many years ago, it was sad, but you know, it, at that time we were discussing and debating and what could be the solution. And it's, it's so many years later and we stole exactly the way we were. But our struggle will still continue. And our du'as will still continue. And our fikr will still continue because these are the Muslim ummah who are fighting to protect the sanctity of Islam. So our focus must be how do I work with people? How do we work with governments? How do we work with our fellow Muslims? How do we do whatever it is that we can in our personal capacity? In our, in our personal capacity firstly, but subhanAllah, with a greater society to bring awareness to this place, which is subhanAllah, this place which is regarded as barakna hawla. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. أهلا وسهلا ومرحبا بكم جميعا أيها المستمعين والمستمعات Beloved listeners of Radio Islam International Welcome back, welcome to our second segment of our show And Alhamdulillah, Yom Hayatun Tayyiba We are always looking at developing ourselves, our understanding And inshallah also sometimes reframing the way that we think The way that we think about certain things can impact the way we, you know, we interact with the world The way we reach out to people and the way we judge people And today subhanAllah we are looking at solidarity at the moment, you know, we are looking at World Hijab Day and World Hijab Month, as it has been called this year. So understanding this meaning, when we say, I am in solidarity with our Muslim sisters, what does this mean? In 2023, many females around the world, they still face persecution when it comes to their hijab. And so what happens, though, is that... In South Africa, we may be fortunate that we are able to wear our hijab. My circumstance and your circumstance might not be the same as someone's circumstance in the USA or in the UK, for example. But we do see in South Africa at times our children, our sisters are facing this discrimination. So there are so many challenges that come with living in a non-Muslim country, living in a world where the hijab is frowned upon. So we want to move beyond, beyond just understanding the world hijab day and focusing on what it actually means, which is solidarity. I welcome today Sister Munira Garda Karam, who is an entrepreneur, digital marketer, events coordinator and a facilitator. She is passionate about making a difference and serving the community. Sister Munira Garda, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Radio Islam International and to Hayatun Tayyiba. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Mu'allima. It's such a pleasure to be invited to speak with you today. Alhamdulillah. I hope we benefit and our sisters, inshallah, out there benefit a lot, inshallah. So we are looking at just diving right in. We want to know what is the meaning of solidarity, particularly when it comes to Islam. So if we look back at our Islamic Sharia and our teachings in Islam, we, we taught from a young age about, you know, the brotherhood and the sisterhood of Islam. So solidarity in Islam doesn't merely mean material benefit, you know, just being there for each other materialistically. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has, um, obvious, has, has mentioned in a hadith 
that a believer to another believer is like a building whose different parts enforce each other, or like the one body in which if any part is not well, then the whole body shares the sleeplessness and fever with it. The Prophet also said you see the believers as regards their being merciful among themselves and showing love among themselves and being kind, resembling one body, so that if any part of the body is not well, then the whole body shares the sleeplessness and fever with it. And we only have to look at the tragedy that bef- that befell Turkey and Syria yesterday to mm-hmm. say that, you know, this this um, resonates so deeply with the tragedy because we all are feeling it for our brothers and sisters on that side. And that symbolizes the unity that we have, uh, or solidarity that we have in, as, as an Islamic nation, as Ummah of Nabi Muhammad That is, in essence, what solidarity is, that we hurt when the other one is hurting and we're happy when the other one is happy. Mm-hmm. And it brings, you know, brings to mind so beautifully that Ishtaka, Nabi Sosan says that, you know, when, when they are going through that difficulty, you feel that pain, almost like a person who has a headache or an eye ache, your entire body feels that pain. So we look now specifically when it comes to World Hijab Day, right? There are many, many misconceptions and people, some people believe, you know, it's just promoting hijab just for that day. And a lot of people just wait for that day and they don't actually take it you know, seriously. But in essence, moving beyond the actual hijab, the focus of it is to stand in solidarity with our Muslim sisters who are persecuted in Islam for wearing either the hijab or the niqab. So from your you know, stance, why is it important that we highlight that many of our sisters are firstly facing persecution and they are, you know, subhanAllah, in their countries, the challenges that they face just to every day say, I want to be a Muslim who covers up my modesty. So I think the reason why it's important to highlight this light is because there are many of us face different types of challenges in our lives. If we, alhamdulillah, we're living in South Africa, we don't, many of us don't have that discrimination towards us, and yet there has been stories of discrimination within our country recently. But many of us can say, alhamdulillah, we love throughout our days and weeks and years, and we, we love, you know, without any, um, any kind of recompense for wearing the hijab. So I think the importance of highlighting it is firstly that it's going to create shukr within us that you know what, Allah has given us the bounty to actually be able to wear it where we are. And then also to make shukr and obviously to thank Allah for the fact that we are not experiencing what they are experiencing. But then again, to come back to solidarity and to stand in unity with them and to to make mention of their plight so that people become aware of what is happening around the world. We mm-hmm. as Muslims, we are not, um, we are not, uh, master, the word just <laughs> moved me now, but mm-hmm. I want to say we are not, we are an active nation. We are not passive right. people. Mm-hmm. We are taught to do things, you know, don't just think bad of something, although that is the, the lowest form where we can actually assist someone, but it is more important to actually take action. And if mm-hmm. that action means that we um, all we can do is bring attention to the plight of others so that others can make collective dua for them then alhamdulillah that in itself is a good action
Mm-hmm. And subhanAllah. And you know, when you, I recently I went out to a beautiful academy and spoke to the young girls there. And, mm-hmm. you know, looking at their decisions and their choices and the challenges that they face, many of them, many, many young girls face challenges where their own families feel like, you know, you're too young. You, you shouldn't be doing this. Uh, your life is so far and so long in front of you. You know, who's going to get married to you? You, you don't, don't limit yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, the sad reality is that even though we are, we understand that it is a command of Allah, their own families are taking them away from this. So how can we, you know, assist these young women? The Prophet has said to us that you cannot disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to please any creation. And so they want to do this. They want to fulfill the command of Allah. But how do they move past the judgment that their families have made? Mm-hmm. That's a very important question, Abba, because it's something that I actually get asked quite a bit. And it, it's hard to actually give advice and to say, you know what, um, go ahead and do it. They feel like they are disobeying their parents. And um, you have to bring to light the fact that it is a command from Allah, that you are doing something firstly to please who? Who are you doing it for? And um, to keep in mind that that if you are doing it solely for the pleasure of Allah, Allah opens the way for you. You keep your intentions sincere, Allah makes it easy for you. Um, but yes, um, but I'm also trying to figure out, you know, how do we actually assist these girls who are, like you say, um, I mean, okay, just to draw on personal experiences I had with a few girls. Some will say, their own father will say, but you look like a daddy ma. You know, mm. yeah. what do they actually say if there's no one in the corner that's there to stand with them? I mean, facing facing um, discrimination, possibly in school or from teachers or from outside people can sometimes be bearable if you have um, the support at home. But if you don't mm-hmm. even have the support at home, how does a child actually move past that, that they want to or the daughter wants to, but the mother feels that, you know, it's, it's an impression on her because she doesn't wear the hijab. So, mm. again, it comes back to the teachings that we are giving to our children. Are we inculcating enough Islamic teaching, basic Islamic teaching? And that is a question we need to ask ourselves as parents and as ladies or um, hierarchy of the you know, monarchs of our society, as moms and as, as aunts and as teachers. Are we inculcating the proper Islamic teachings um, to our children? Are we setting the proper examples for them? Because, um, again, if, if they don't have that support, where exactly do they fall onto? Then where, where, again, does the solidarity of Islam come in if you can't have that unity within the basic family unit? Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, coming from husbands sometimes, Samira, you know, this is, it's sad, but many men feel like, oh, my wife doesn't look pretty enough when I go out or when, when my yes. friends see her. Or, and unfortunately, this puts you in a difficult situation. So what advice would you give to women in that kind of a situation? And to the men as well. <laughs> so again, I would say that... Um, I think it also stems down, you know, now that you're asking the question and it takes me back to when my journey started and we had attended Alhamdulillah, we were fortunate that Abba Zahira of Umahat was hosting hijab support group a few years ago. And um, 
perhaps that is a good start, but she doesn't know yeah. that any, well, it hasn't been hosted for a long time. But going back to it, you know, to take yourself through the motions of firstly, who are you? If, you know, right. do you really know yourself? Who are you and what were you created for? Why did Allah create me? It was obviously the reason we, we are here today is to, Islam means submit, submitting to the will of Allah. So if mm-hmm. we understand again, who am I? Why was I created? You know, understanding yourself and, and um, being able to to get that message across to others that, you know, your self-awareness, is it, is it there? What, what does it mean and who are you there to please? Um, and then possibly asking yourself questions like, you know, it's so easy for us to instill haram things in our lives. Mm-hmm. But when we, when we go against Allah, don't we realize that that is also a haram, that, you know, mm-hmm. he, has, um, he has given us these, these rules, these laws in, in Quran. And, and there are a lot of um, websites out there that actually refute this. They say there are no ayats in the Quran. And yeah, so I think our, our girls of today, they are faced with so many challenges. It's not just the setback of, um, you know, having your family not being there to support you. What about everything that they see out there? You know, the whole world has become so Instagramified, if you want to call it that, where it's about your, uh, you know, your outward appearance and nothing is bringing, um, there are some there are some Instagram personalities that bring your attention to the inner person, but how many of them are actually getting that message across to our younger girls? So mm-hmm. I would say to start from protecting your modesty, because if you remember, or if you go back to why you're doing it again, Haya, which is modesty, it is a tenet of Islam as well. So if you are doing things with a pure intention, and your intention is to protect your Haya, your intention is to um, to serve your Allah, to, you know, doing it for the pleasure of Allah. Inshallah, Allah puts khair in it and he makes it easy for you and he grants afiyah to you. And yes, I'm not saying it's all a bed of roses for everybody that goes through this, but mm-hmm. um, I have seen it happen. I have seen it happen mm-hmm. with revert Muslims as well. You know, we yeah. um, they don the hijab even before becoming Muslim and um, the feeling that they that they experienced from wearing it for a short while, um, that actually made them fall in love with Islam. So to interject there, I wanted to just mm-hmm. ask you, you know, a lot of times focusing on the topic of solidarity, what ha- tends to happen is that when we hear of sisters struggling in France or we hear of sisters struggling in anywhere which is across the world, we tend to feel their pain much more than if we see a sister who's, you know, going to a shop and she's not wearing a hijab that in a way that we might think is correct. And sometimes, you know, there might be hair showing or something might be wrong and we tend to judge them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think a very important part of our, our showing solidarity is to understand that everybody's a different journey and to advise people in a way that we don't judge. What do you think about Yes, I absolutely love that you brought up that point because at the end of the day, um, 
we are not yet to judge. We all started on our own journey years ago, possibly. But I know you in niqab as mm-hmm. well as I am. But we were never born in niqab. We yes. we were with the young girls are now that they're struggling, and we know what it meant for us to be on our journey. So in the same way, the the trials that we went through. I mean, when I donned the niqab, you know, people in the family would call me ninja or say things like, "How do you even drink through that thing? Must be how you got to stroll through." Like, you know make really hurtful remarks that they think is just a joke everybody starts laughing and then you have to tag along with the joke but um getting back my digress Mm-hmm. Getting back to what Appa brought up about, about staying in solidarity and not judging our fellow uh, Muslims, I think that's such an important point and it shouldn't only be uh, with regards to hijab, it should actually be in every facet of being a Muslim. You know, mm-hmm. the, the mom that is struggling to, to teach her kids while trying to, um, you know, help her husband so that they, you know, love among, you know, are able to just love easily shouldn't be judged the mom who's not you know breastfeeding her child for certain reasons shouldn't be judged at the end mm-hmm. of the day we go through so many trials and challenges and if we can stop judging each other and uplift each other through the the, the small actions that we do um you know that's going to make life so much more easier in society but also in allah's eyes the small actions that we do are the actions that allah loves you know the most sincere actions so that lady who possibly has half her hair showing has possibly got the most purest heart and doesn't think ill of others where is you know one can be sitting fully closed and having a heart that is constantly gossiping about someone else. So again, we cannot judge each other because in Allah's eyes, it is the sincerest of intentions that is judged. Sister Jazakallah so much for joining us today. And I love, subhanAllah, the way you so calmly, calmly explain and bring these topics that are so important, inshallah, and a motivation to all of us to understand that solidarity is to show our, you know, subhanAllah, our, our, our worry and our fikr for our Muslim sisters in whichever form they might be going through, whatever difficulty they might be going through. So it actually is feeling pain and having empathy, subhanAllah. So inshallah, we hope that, we, that you'll join us again soon, inshallah, to talk about many different inspiring topics. And jazakallah khair for your time. Barakallah feek. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Beloved sisters and beloved listeners out there, alhamdulillah, we have been chatting to Sister Munira and we have been looking at solidarity in Islam. And our focus has been how to understand as Muslim sisters to build this solidarity throughout the world. Alhamdulillah, I thank you all for joining me here on Hayatun Tayyibah. And as always, as always, alhamdulillah, it's been an absolute joy spending this time with you all and benefiting and developing ourselves. I hope you've enjoyed the show as well. And I challenge every one of you, inshallah, if there's somebody in your life that you sort of judge or you feel like this person might be too lax or this person might be too lazy or this person might not you know, be taking their hijab seriously or this person, whatever it is that you find yourself judging, I challenge you to start looking at solidarity from home and act in, in the, you know, the little, little interactions that you have from the people who are in your home. Barakallah feekum. Jazakallah khair for joining me again on Hayatun Tayyibah. May you have a blessed week, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. ورحمة الله وبركاته